Go ahead and get out your Bibles if you would with me today. If you have your Bible apps on your on your phone or however you want to access the scriptures, please do that now. Great to have you all here. Are you ready to get into some word? I have a new message, a new series that I want to begin sharing with you today. It's called Better Together. All right, Better Together. Before I get into that, I need to read something to you. Uh, I found this, it's called, what, what is celibacy? Celibacy, this might be a different description than you're, you're used to hearing. But celibacy can, can be a choice in life or a condition imposed by circumstances. While attending a marriage weekend, Frank and his wife, Anne, listened to the instructor declare, it is essential that husbands and wives know the things that are important to each other. He then addressed the men and asked, uh, can you name and describe your wife's favorite flower? So Frank leaned over, touched Anne's arm gently and whispered to her, gold medal, all purpose, isn't it? And thus began Frank's life of celibacy. <laughs> and then also, uh, uh, I guess recently we had the first female referee uh, in the NFL. One of the first things she did was threw a flag for something that happened three years ago. <laughs> Hallelujah, everybody ready now? Hopefully I can attack, I mean, joke with each gender equally. <laughs> During the message, if you could find Genesis chapter 2. Very first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. This is the beginning of a new series, like I said, called Better Together, better together. We want to talk about the marriage relationship. I, I recognize it in here. There are singles, there are married, there are used to be married, there are marrieds again. I know we have people all over the map. There are those who are single and want to be married. And I think some of this will hit every single one of us and help us in our lives and relationships. But we want to have God's perspective. That's why I find it valuable to go back to the book of Genesis and see his original intent, his original design. And so in Genesis chapter 2, I want to begin reading in the 18th verse. 2.18. It reads, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Everybody say comparable. Uh, we, we see, see that, that word twice in there. The, the, the Message Bible says he didn't find a suitable companion. 
Now, I don't think the Lord was confused as to what the outcome of this was going to be. Uh, not only did he turn over to Adam the right to name all the creatures and all the animals, uh, I think probably the Lord wanted him to see. You know, I like the elephants, I like the cat, I like this horse, I like these different animals, and I see a great value, they're all so beautiful and so valuable, but I don't really find someone I can live with. <laughs> and all the, I don't think the Lord was confused that he didn't find a suitable companion, but I think he wanted to see, he wanted Adam to see it for himself. And so there went this long process, I don't know how long this took, may have been a very long time, um, uh, and, and so, uh, basically, Adam couldn't find amongst all of creation anything that would ultimately fill the void. God's design is that husband and wife would be comparable, compatible, they, uh, that they would be the same. Uh, I know there are differences for sure in men and women, differences in how we think, emotional differences very often, uh, but in large part, men and women are the same. It's not like we're a different species. So, uh, are you sure about that? <laughs> yes, so that's why I'm saying it, okay? We are like each other. Uh, men and women are very much, to, to a large part, in large part, the same. And, and so when God said he make a helper comparable, he was saying, I'm going to make, make someone like you. I'm going to make someone who fits with you perfectly. And, and it's not someone totally foreign that you can't understand. Um, I've seen the, you know... I've, I've seen, seen the memes out there that, that basically, you know, how can a wife understand her husband and it's on one sheet of paper? And how can a husband understand his wife and it's a book this tall? <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> nevertheless, listen, we should not approach, for those who are married, we should not approach our spouse with that type of belief. If you are saying, I just can't understand that guy. You know, I can't understand my wife. I, I just can't understand them at all. I want to encourage you to stop saying that, if you are. Believe in your heart that God made them comparable to you. He made them mostly like you. So to relate to them, to do life with them is very, very natural. It's kind of built into the equation. All the necessary equipment is there. For you to have a wonderful life together, it's the way God made it. And if we think differently, then we're entertaining the idea of this being difficult. Okay? We can. Now listen, if you're single, obviously, and you're looking to be married, you should find someone you can get along with without a whole lot of effort. You know, if you're, if you're seeing someone and you're already fighting, red flags... And any, would anyone who's been married, who is married, say, uh, you might want to rethink that one. <laughs> and so find someone you can get along with without hardly any effort. All right? If you are married, how many know you have to learn to get along? You have to learn and make adaptation where necessary so you can do life together. Praise God. 
And, and so, so just, just looking, looking at things, things on a surface level, you know, whether uh, one person is attracted to the other one, and so they marry. Not, not smart. Not smart. This needs to be a little bit deeper than attraction. A little bit deeper than, we, you, know, you know, I like the way they look. I've liked the first three dates, and so let's get married. <laughs> needs to be a little deeper than that. Um, and so uh, let's go on here and read uh, from verse 21. Genesis 2.21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. Everybody say, Adam slept. And he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in its place, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Okay, so this, is, uh, this shows us God's intent. Um, it shows us that he's involved. And it, it reveals to me that if a man wants to find a woman to marry, he should, in one matter of saying it, he should be sleeping. How many know sleeping is resting? Resting is a word that is likened to faith. When you are in faith, you are resting that God is working, you're not making it happen. Amen. If you're single and you are blessed, God going to make it happen no matter what, Watch, Watch out. Because nowadays you can do it with you know, online dating. You, you can, can just put all of your effort into it and all of your energy and find someone that... And I'm not saying that would be wrong to do it that way, but there needs to be an element in your heart where you are resting and trusting. I'm trusting God to bring someone. Someone that some of you don't like that. Like, you can rest with one eye open, that's fine. You want to know what's coming. However, trust God to bring the person to you. This is a big, serious commitment here. At the same time, it says that to the, about the woman, he brought her to the man. In other words, she didn't just put on something slinky and work her magic. And say, I know how men think, I know how I can attract a man. And Well, yeah, but do you want that kind of man? That's, that's going to look at you only at surface level. Do you want that kind of person to be married to? So I would encourage you just to fully dress. <laughs> and, again, believe God. Get in faith. Say, Lord, you're bringing us together. I'm trusting you to be the matchmaker in this, in this life. He's got a lot of wisdom. Praise God. Verse 23. And Adam said... This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Or as sometimes men say, whoa, man. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined. Everybody say joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. Everybody say one flesh. All right, joined one flesh. These are key words in what I'm teaching here today. Uh, verse 25 reads, and they were both, everybody say both, naked, and the man, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. But I have you say both, because joined one flesh and both is kind of the theme of what I believe the Lord has given me to share with you along these lines. Now, I'm approaching this not, I was just looking for a marriage message. Uh, I'm approaching this by revelation. 
I've been inspired. I've never taught this this way before, okay? In the last 29 and a half years, I haven't. Uh, but I've been given this, I believe, for you, for here, for now. And so I want you to pick up on a theme of what God wants us to get, to understand how He created us and how He thinks. Now, this issue, I'll come back to one in a second. This issue of shame here is a real, a real problem. Uh, they were both naked and were unashamed. Why, why do people sometimes struggle in relationships in the, in, the, in the marriage. It has to do with they are ashamed of certain parts of their own life, certain parts of their past, maybe certain parts of their present. But whenever a couple lives or one or the other lives with an element of shame, it's going to interrupt the nakedness of that relationship. Okay. okay, understand, understand what, what I mean by nakedness. I know it's, it's, it's literally talking physically, and we could go down that path. But I want us to see beyond that, even to uh, beyond the physical, even to the emotional realm, and just to a life. One of the key elements to a husband and wife being one flesh together is that they need to be open. They need to be transparent with one another. If there is any type of hiding... Meaning, I don't want her to know about this. I'm trying to keep this a secret. Or I don't think she would appreciate this. I don't think he would enjoy this. If there's any kind of shame in entered into the relationship, it serves as a wedge for the enemy to use to drive you apart. Okay? Now listen, all of us have a past of some kind. None of us have lived a perfect life. And I recognize that people are all over the map with things that they have done or things that have been done to them. Okay? But in the marriage, it needs to be opened up. It really does. Two people you ought to be totally transparent with in your life, number one is God, because He sees it all anyway, and loves you. But secondly, is if you're married, you need to be open with your spouse. There should be no hiding. Uh, if, you, if you've been abused in your past, sexually abused, they should know about it. I don't mean everyone needs to know. That's up to you. But they should know about it. Why? So the relationship can open up. So there can be healing given from God. There can be acceptance and forgiveness within the relationship. Well, what if they don't accept me? Well, you should have talked about it first. Just... FYI, if it's too late, you know, it's too late. I remember when we, when before Amy and I were married, we had a conversation. And I remember saying, telling her, you can ask me, this is before we're married, because I don't want to go in with any surprise. Dun, da, da, da. I'm three million in debt. <laughs> Welcome to the family. But I, I remember saying, you can ask me about anything at all. I will tell you the answer to whatever degree you want to know. And if you don't want to know, I'm fine with that too. You know what I'm saying? But we all have made mistakes. We've done we've different things. You just don't want to go in with any kind of regrets. Uh, but even after marriage, there often is a little bit of shame that can exist. And I tell you, Lord, you know this. Jesus took your shame. 
Jesus was shamed on the cross, and he bore our pain and our shame so we could rise up and feel confident and be forgiven and free. And no matter what's happened in the past, we can become a new creation in Christ. This personal health is vital to marital health. You're not going to have two totally messed up people and have a great, great, great relationship. Okay? I don't mean that someone has to, a husband and wife have to be perfect. No. But if someone's not healthy on an individual basis, on an emotional basis, receiving forgiveness, and they're going to struggle throughout their relationship. Because listen, that other person has to deal with your problems. Amy has to deal with my problems. I have to deal with her problems. That's just the reality of life. They all come with the relationship. And so get it free. If you come today and say, I heard you guys are doing a marriage series, my life is messed up, and I'm going to see if this helps today. I think this will help today. But can I tell you this? If you think just one message is going to fix completely, that's probably, you know, hot pie in the sky. Can I encourage you to come every week for a year? And then if that doesn't work, you know, you could try something else. <laughs> But really, I, I really believe that over time we bake and we, the Lord makes us into something that our spouse can deal with and we can live with ourselves. All right, I'm going down that path a little far. But, but they were naked and unashamed. We need to, there can't be any kind of secrets or hiding of things from other people. You know, I know, I know one individual, uh, they said this, um, uh, well, one, one particular woman, she, she was going out and buying clothes for herself. And she didn't want her, she didn't want her husband to know about it. Not a good idea. And, and she, so she went out buying clothes, but she would buy all these clothes and then put them in her closet. And just leave them there for quite a while. That way later she could get them out. And when she wore those clothes, her husband would say, Oh, did you get something new? She said, Oh, no, I've had that a long time. I mean, no, she's lying still. There's deceptive. There's, I don't want him to know about what I'm doing. Maybe because he wouldn't like it or whatever the issue is. But there's a division taking place there. I know another couple that they've been married for a long time. And then they're... They were going apart, and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're getting divorced. I say all of a sudden these things happen slowly, usually. But they're getting divorced, and come to find out of the divorce proceedings, he had all kinds of land and properties that she didn't even know about. In another state, he owned different properties. She didn't know about it. Wow. I think I see maybe... The root of some of their problems. Not that the, the other property is the issue. It's the issue that he would keep that from her. That he would try to keep that a secret from her. Throughout her life. It's like, why would you do that? Which makes you also wonder, well, what else do you have going on that's secretive? That's being kept. There is a nakedness, if you will, that is essential for all of our relationships. Do you hide things? Okay, quit it. <laughs> Amen. Now, now let's go, go back and again talk, to, talk about this phrase, one flesh. This is, this is what stood out to me in preparing for this teaching. God's original design is for a man and woman to become 
one. That they would become one. That two people would become one. It begins with promises. It begins with a covenant. It is consummated with a sexual union. But it's two people becoming one. It must be the preeminent principle that governs this relationship from the point of I do. Before I do, two. After I do, one. Okay? Before I do, not one. After I do, not two. Alright? I know it's real simple. But, but, but here's, here's, one one of the, the, here's one of the struggles I think we have. People elevate before I do to be in something it's not. And then they denigrate something after I do to be in something that it's not. In other words, we're all caught up in the culture we grow up in. Different cultures have handled marriage in different ways. There have been cultures that have arranged marriages and so forth. We know what it's like here in the dating process and, 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 and so forth of getting to know someone. Uh, how many recognize that, that, that if you were to get look for biblical guidelines for dating, you would have a struggle finding verses? What does the Bible say about dating? Well, nothing. It's not a thing. I don't mean I'm not, I'm not implying that it's wrong for, because it's not there. I'm just saying that is somewhat of man's invention. It's not really a category. I think it's a little bit funny nowadays, especially with social media, how people elevate, they want to tell the world that they like someone. They announce it. Dun, 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 in a relationship. What? You guys, you guys are friends? friends? What, what do you mean in a relationship? Here's why I'm saying that. I don't realize this might be a new thing to some. Because they're making something of nothing. I don't mean that their relationship isn't real, that it's not important to them. They've elevated a part of that process that really shouldn't exist. If you want to look at it biblically, we go from friendship to engagement, to marriage. Those would be the biblically defined segments of a relationship. I know that there's feelings for a person that happen before engagement, or the engagement would never happen. Uh, I remember when Amy and I were uh, seeing each other. Basically, the way, we, the way we were is we just acted like friends. And, and I really, it's, it's a challenge, challenge, I know, but I tried, I tried to keep it that way in my mind. Friends, friends. Because I, I read where, you know, I read where Paul told Timothy, treat the younger women as sisters with all purity. And I thought, I'm not doing it with my sister, I better not be doing it with my girlfriend. <laughs> I know that's a crazy thought for some of you nowadays, you think, because you think dating and sex go together, but they don't. Anyway, so, so we were just friends. And, and we, we weren't, weren't kissing, kissing on each other or anything. And, 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 and the, the time came when we got engaged. And I remember talking to a, a friend of ours who was you know, pretty close. He was helping us in the ministry and stuff. And, uh, uh, and, and his name was Chris. And he came to me. And, 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 and I was telling him one day, I said, Look, hey, Chris, I'm getting married. He said, you are? To who? I assumed he knew, but I thought it was kind of funny. I guess we've been acting pretty casual. 
friend. It wasn't like we were trying to keep it a secret from him or anything, but it was, uh, he said, who is it to Amy? Oh. I think maybe he was disappointed that he lost out on an opportunity. He might have been hoping. Sorry, dude. You had your chance. But what was... Anyway, having said that, I think it was a healthy thing to go from friendship to engagement. In other words, we weren't one. And even with the engagement, we're still not one. I'm not treating her like my wife. She's not treating me like her husband during that period. Because it's not that. We're friends, and of course, now with the promise of things to come. But the reason I think we should get biblically established in our mental approach to all this is so we call what's two two and we call what's one one the end result being i don't want people who are married to act and live and think of themselves in any way as two because the lord said when you marry you become one flesh. When two people who are, quote, married are living and thinking and functioning as two, that's when they've disrupted the divine order of things. The divine order says you are no longer two, but now you have become one. All of that other stuff, the friendship, the dating, it leads up to a point where the two part of your life is over. You know, we make jokes about it and everything about your life is over now. But that's true. <laughs> it's true in the, I'm doing life different from this point on. I have to have that mentality. I cannot do it alone. It's not all about what I want. It's not all about what I feel like doing. I'm my own man, my schedule, my clock, my money, my time. None of that exists anymore. Because I should remain single and selfish. Not saying all you single people are selfish, you understand what I mean? But you can make your own decisions concerning your life and what you do. When you marry, now two have become one. That is the way we must view it. This is for the rest of our lives. Uh, because this is true, that God makes people one. Remember Jesus said, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Yeah. Two become, because two become one, that tells me there is a God involvement in the marriage. He's the one that puts the glue in there. He's the one, by His grace, that enables this relationship to function in a totally different way from that point on to have become one. What would the enemy strategy be? If you were the devil, what is your primary tactic against a family? It's to divide. God says two have become one, and He will do He will work night and day against your life to make one become two again. Even if you live in the same house, even if you stay married, from a legal standpoint, he will try to divide you. He's working on it now. Thinking about strategies to get you to think different, to live different, to have a different vision from one another. That would be called division. 
right? To have different goals from one another. To have different schedules than one another so you hardly see each other. You know? Let's provide some things the Lord provides all jobs. He doesn't. He's, He's the provider, but sometimes, sometimes people need to recognize, if I do this, I'll have more money and less of a spouse. And we've got to think big picture. What does the enemy want to do? Divide. Get us apart. Get us going different directions. In our finances, we both have different ideas of how they, can, how they should be spent. We live different. We go to church at different places. We, you know, it's all this. Put something else in there to get them doing life apart. God said one, and the temptation is to let it be two in different areas of life. Jesus said in Mark chapter 3, in verse 25, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. The enemy is a divider. God wants to bring us together. So what's our focus? What's our attention going to be put on? If I know that God has made us one, that's what I need to go into high gear protecting. To guard it. Protect it. To fight for it. For what? For unity. For oneness. Nothing else matters. The relationship will be strong when we're one. It'll be weak when we're two. It'll be warm when we're one. It'll be cold when we're two. Uh, it will be, um, you know, think, think about would, 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 the, would the enemy come with the temptation? Bride and groom stand before each other, making their vows, you know, sharing, you know, putting on the rings, the kiss, everything. They walk down the aisle, they're married. Is, is the enemy coming, coming to them whispering in their ear, why don't you get divorced? Why don't you get divorced? Why don't, Why don't you get divorced? No, he wouldn't do that. Why? That's the last thing in their mind. They couldn't even be tempted with that at this point. He's not going to come and say, divide, divide. But he'll work little by little to get you to think different. To get you to have different goals and different aspirations in life. To, to go down a different path so the wedge can come in little by little. Sometimes it happens through hurt. Has anyone ever been hurt? Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the human race. race. But, but hurt can be a wedge that starts division. Unforgiveness. You know, suspicion. Getting us focused on ourselves. When we become selfish in our approach to our, our, our mate and our life. Uh, all these things are designed to split us up eventually. But you know what? Even if someone ever splits up officially, I don't want to live split up. Even though we're married. I don't want my wife to be my, just my roommate. I don't want her just, I don't want her to be one in just a couple different areas. That wasn't God's plan. He wants us to be one in all areas of life. Hallelujah. And so some of this uh, one flesh business or being joined together, you can see just by the context of those passages in, in Genesis 2 that it involves the sexual union. Right? That when, the, when there's a sexual union, that is the one flesh activity that takes place. You can see that's why the devil wants to get in people's sex lives all day. 
mess, mess them up, up before, before, during, and after, and, uh, and, and mess that part of life up. That's the one flesh thing. How many know when your pet goes out around the neighborhood? Your, your dog uh, goes around the neighborhood. That dog is not becoming one flesh with, uh, with all the other dogs, or one hair, or whatever. The dog is not unfaithful, he's not immoral, but he has no commitment to that other dog. Right? Not, not, even, not even, even look down, down upon. Wow. What are you, what are you doing, doing bothering all these puppies? <laughs> it's, it's different. When, when people, people try to compare the human race to the, to the animal kingdom, kingdom it's, it's, it's not, not even close. close. It, wasn't it wasn't God's design. design. It, wasn't, it wasn't his plan. The problem is, is when, when mankind begins to act like their pets. And they, they say they're, they're just a biological walking function. And they're, you know, we don't see this was part of God's design to bring men and women together and make them one. One. If I want God's help, I need to do things this way. I need to start thinking, I can't be trained by the culture, by the world. I need to be trained by the Word and God's eternal value system and how this works. In, in seeking the Lord regarding this, I had the, the primary direction. That he wanted us to go and the subject he wanted us to speak about. And I, I always pray a little bit more. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying to the Lord in my heart, I'm praying. I said, Lord, if you'll tell me how to make marriage work, I'll share it with them. I'll share it with your people. But before I even finished the sentence, before I even got the, the prayer out, I knew inside of me that's the wrong thing to ask. You know why I knew that? Because at just in an instant, I knew marriage automatically works. It is there's no trying to make it work. It's a God-ordained institution that inherently has working power in it. So it always works. What about all the divorces? What about all the problems? Here's the, here's the deal: marriage and becoming one are synonymous. When we call it marriage, but we are doing life as two, that's when we fail. So if I will see the relationship as God designed it, as He said it would work, and I only call that marriage. Marriage and one flesh, same thing. Having a marriage certificate, but doing life differently under the same roof, not God's plan. It's outside of God's grace. And I can't really even say marriage fails. No, I didn't do marriage. I did my idea of having a partner on some kind of other level. I treated them like, you know, a, whatever, a friend, a, a roommate, whatever it might be. But I allowed division to come in. I can't say that marriage didn't work. Marriage always works. Amen. Praise God. You've got to look at your spouse and say, God's on this. He is. He's on it. He's involved in it. If you're single and want to be married, God's working on you and the other person right now. And you've got to believe that. He's arranging it. He's working it together. And God is wanting to do one of the very basic and primary functions of His prized creation, the human race. 
Bring them together and they'll make more. <laughs> Bring them together and they'll be fulfilled far more than ever having a pet. Bring them together and they'll do life together. They'll be on the same page, going the same way. They'll be stronger. They'll be more creative. They'll, they'll be lifted. When one falls, the other will lift them up. They'll just be better off if we can get them together. That's why we called this message Better Together. Everybody's looking for the one. Good, find the one. But make sure you become one. And no longer, never go back and become two within the one. Amen. Oh, thank you, Father. Father, we worship you today. We thank